chapter number ten of herb of grace this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by linda marie nielsen vancouver b c herb of grace by rosa nuchet carey chapter ten what the fern owl heard there is but one thing that can never turn into suffering and that is the good we have done matterlink it takes two to speak truth one to speak and another to hear thoreau while malcolm was trying to make himself agreeable to the second miss templeton and not succeeding as well as he could wish he more than once broke off the conversation to listen with some amusement to the bantering by-play going on between cedric and the young clergyman mr carlyon they were evidently on intimate terms for cedric addressed him as david or davy in the most unceremonious manner mr carillon appeared to be quite young certainly not more than six or seven and twenty and had an odd characteristic but most pleasant face that somehow took malcolm's fancy at once it was rather thin and pale and the mouth a little receding but the broad forehead and kindly frank-looking eyes somewhat redeemed this defect there was so much life and animation in his expression and a boyish eagerness in his manner a curious abruptness in his speech a certain quick clipping of words and sentences only added to his marked individuality and was by no means disagreeable when one had become accustomed to it malcolm soon found out that he was the curate belonging to rotherwood the church ascended by the templeton family and it was soon evident to him that the sisters miss elizabeth especially took a great interest in parochial matters how is old dr dryadust asked cedric presently but he spoke in a jeering tone then elizabeth laughed but diana looked shocked and mr carlyon threw a dry clod at him it really is not such a bad name observed elizabeth softly as though to herself and then her eyes encountered mr carlyon's it was evident that he agreed with her the vicar is not a lively person certainly he rejoined but all the same i have a great respect for him he is a trifle too medieval for these days and his environment does not suit him a bit he ought to be a fellow of his college spending his days in disinterring dusty old folios in the bodleian perused cedric instead of being a vicar of rotherwood i think very highly of mr charrington said diana and diana spoke rather gravely he is not only a very learned man but he is such a thorough gentleman poor man 
it is a blessing that he has you near him mr carlyon for his life is very lonely why does he not get married then growled cedric i bet you he is not much over fifty then again elizabeth and mr carlyon exchanged glances i don't think the vicar ever intends to enter the holy estate of matrimony returned mr carlyon he is an old bachelor by choice and in my humble opinion is likely to remain so and then his worthy housekeeper mrs finch makes him so thoroughly comfortable i heard something once from one of our fellows observed cedric with a mischievous glance at dinah he knew well her objection to gossip he was not always a woman hater palgrave of lincoln told me that he had been engaged to a lady and that just before the wedding day the engagement was broken off no one seemed to know the rights of it but ever since he has been a little shy of petticoats cedric i am sure it is time for us to dress for dinner the gong must have sounded long ago will you show mr henrik his room dinah spoke with gentle decision as she evidently expected malcolm to join her he rose from his seat as he did so he heard elizabeth say in a low voice to mr carlyon i wonder if cedric's story is a true one very possibly why not was the answer he looks like a man with a past and then they dropped behind and he heard no more it is never well to form an opinion too soon before the next half hour had passed malcolm had been compelled to readjust his ideas on the subject of miss elizabeth templeton when he saw her again he would hardly have recognized her her massive but well-proportioned figure looked to its best advantage in the black evening dress the transparent material only set off the round white throat and finely moulded arms to perfection the coils of brown hair were effectively arranged and the shape of the head was beautiful before the evening was over malcolm in sheer honesty was obliged to confess to himself that miss elizabeth templeton was a very attractive woman and would cast many prettier and younger faces into the shade i wonder where her charm lies he soliloquized when he had retired to his bedroom that evening her sister is really almost beautiful but with the exception of a very bright and expressive eyes miss elizabeth has not a single good feature and yet one is compelled to admire her she is a little dignified and reserved with a stranger and yet she is not shy even while she talked to mr carlyon who certainly seems a sort of tame cat at the wood house i could see her looking at me as though she regarded me with interest but we have broken the ice now with a vengeance one thing i have discovered he went on 
as he looked dreamily down into the scented darkness of the garden she is a woman of large sympathies with an excellent sense of humour which her good heart and kindly nature keeps in good control and if i do not mistake she is the leading spirit of the house the sisters seem to be devoted to each other and the way they spoil that boy and here malcolm shook his head in strong disapproval without being in the least aware that he was not free from that fault himself he had just sent the lad away proud and happy by his delicately implied praise of the wood house and its inmates i am quite sure that i shall get on with your sisters cedric he had said with good nature's condescension they seem to me such thoroughly good kind-hearted women and very superior to the generality of folk how beautifully your sister elizabeth sings i have seldom heard a voice that pleased me better they both like you returned cedric shyly diana told me so at once and though elizabeth did not actually say so i could see by her manner how she enjoyed talking to you and indeed malcolm had never been in better form it had been a very pleasant evening the small oval dinner table with its flowers exquisitely arranged the open windows with the dogs lying out on the terrace were all to malcolm's taste everything was so well appointed and so well managed the servants were evidently old retainers and took a warm interest in their mistress's guests after dinner they had their coffee on the terrace and watched the sun setting behind the fir woods and when the last yellow gleam had faded away from the sky at diana's suggestion elizabeth went into the drawing-room where two pink shaded lamps were already lighted and seated herself at the piano there is no occasion for us to go in observed diana who had noticed malcolm's evident enjoyment of his cigarette we shall hear her perfectly out here and mr carlyon will turn over for her such is human nature for one instant malcolm felt strongly impelled to throw away his cigarette and oust mr carlyon from his snug corner if only to teach him his place but indolence prevailed his cigarette was too delicious the air was so refreshing and balmy and the pale globes of the evening primroses and the milky whiteness of the nicotanias gleamed so entrancingly in the soft dusk that he felt himself unwilling to move even the curious notes of the night jar seeking its prey in the dim light had a strange fascination for him and he spoke of it more than once to diana it is like the humming of a spinning wheel he remarked it is very weird and uncanny so people always say she returned it is the goat sucker you know they are very fond of feeding on that sort of beetle called the gnat chafer in fact it is their favorite food 
it has another name the fern owl so i have heard and then as a rich strong voice broke suddenly on his startled ears he leant back in his hammock chair and composed himself to listen it was a wonderful voice so sweet and true and full of expression there was such tenderness and depth in it that it seemed in some mysterious way to touch the very recesses of the heart and to play on the whole gamut of human feeling malcolm found himself thinking of his lonely childhood and of his father then he recalled his youthful aspirations and his old ideals the thoughts of youth are long long thoughts he said to himself and the wind's will is a boy's will and then as the last lingering notes died away he flung his cigarette aside and rose abruptly from his seat you have given us a great treat he said in a low voice as elizabeth stepped through the window mr carillon was laying aside the pile of songs in the music cabinet as neatly as though it were an accustomed duty malcolm gave him an impatient glance one would think he belonged to the house he said to himself rather crossly please do not thank me returned elizabeth smiling her eyes were very bright and there was a warm flush on her face which made her look young and handsome it is my greatest pleasure to sing i believe if i had nothing else to do i should waste hours at the piano the hours would not be wasted replied malcolm it is a great gift and like all other great gifts it should be utilized as much as possible i could find it in my heart to envy you miss templeton oh how often i have said that chimed in diana i think i enjoy my sister's voice as much as she does herself in the evening she always sings to me mr herrick and diana are trying to make me vainer than i am by nature observed elizabeth with her happy childlike laugh as mr carlyon came to her side cedric it is such a lovely evening that we might have our usual stroll would you care to come with us to malcolm you may as well go my way remarked mr carlyon and elizabeth nodded and then diana fetched her a light gossamer scarf which she tied over her head diana does not care for moonlight rambles she thinks them frivolous she observed as they walked slowly through the dark woodlands but cedric and i love them i like the silence and emptiness the villages are asleep and the whole world seems given up to fern owls and bats and night moths take care of the branch mr herrick or you will knock your head it will be lighter on the road outside i am so used to this path that i could find my way blindfolded the two young men were before them but elizabeth to malcolm's relief showed no inclination to join them even at this early stage of their acquaintance 
he experienced an odd desire to monopolize her society he never felt more content with his surroundings the tranquillity of the hour the soft half-lights the mystery of the long wide road with two dark specks moving before them all appealed to malcolm's artistic and romantic sense it is a study in black and white he half murmured to himself but at that moment he was not thinking of the tall black-robed woman beside him with the shimmering white veil over her head nevertheless when elizabeth laughed he understood her and laughed too mr herrick she said suddenly and her voice became grave i am so glad to have this opportunity of speaking to you alone without my sister i mean for months for nearly two years i have longed to see you and thank you for what you have done for cedric no do not stop for in his surprise malcolm had paused in the act of crossing the road they are looking back and i do not want them just now and here she waved her hand a little impatiently we must follow them through that gate into the woodland path that leads to rotherwood it is so pretty in daylight the moon will soon be rising and then you will see it better malcolm followed her meekly when he stumbled over a concealed root elizabeth quietly put her hand on his arm to guide him the firm soft touch the spontaneous kindness of the action and her utter unconsciousness gave him a positive thrill of pleasure when one's heart is full of gratitude to a person went on elizabeth in the same grave low tone it is so difficult to find words mr herrick i know all you did for our dear boy i know everything malcolm started cedric told me but of course we kept it from my sister my dear miss templeton began malcolm in an embarrassed voice for he was not prepared for this but elizabeth would not let him speak you must let me have my innings she said with a delicious laugh i have pent up my feelings for nearly two years and they must find vent mr herrick you have been our benefactor diana's and mine as well as cedric's when you held out your generous hand to a stranger when you saved our poor boy from disgrace and a ruined career you did far more than you thought miss templeton for pity's sake please please let me finish a pressure of his arm emphasized her words it is so difficult for a woman to hold her tongue diana knows nothing of all this we dare not tell her it would break her heart my sister is too good for this world you know what i mean mr herrick she believes too much in other people's goodness and then when they disappoint her she is quite crushed i should have thought miss templeton's nature an exceptionally happy one returned malcolm you are right and elizabeth spoke with evident feeling but these bright sunshiny 
natures have their hours of eclipse cedric is her special darling the object of her tenderest care if she only knew but here she paused as though her emotions were too strong my dear miss templeton malcolm was determined to be heard now he should not be suppressed and silenced any more you are making far too much of the trifling service i was able to render to your brother what was a small loan what was it here elizabeth struck in again it was humanly speaking life and salvation to a poor weak boy who was on the brink of despair who was so desperate with trouble and misery that he might have fallen deeper and deeper if a good samaritan had not passed that way he has told me since that the thought of diana's unhappiness almost drove him crazy and that he could not have answered for himself cedric is a dear lad but he is not strong he has had his lesson we all enter our kingdom of manhood through some tribulation miss templeton ah true but we would gladly spare our belongings such a painful experience mr herrick they are waiting for us at the little gate and i have only time to say one thing more i offered to help cedric repay his debt but he refused i am glad to say he absolutely refused he wishes to do it all himself i think all the more of him was malcolm's answer a little self-denial will be good for cedric he has already paid the first installment miss templeton in return for your confidence i will be quite frank with you i do not need the money as far as that goes he is welcome to every penny but for cedric's state i thought it best to take it i hope you will understand this i understand you perfectly and i thank you from my heart for dealing so wisely with him but not another word voices travel far in this clear silence and they are just by indeed the next moment a voice hailed them hello you people shouted cedric have you been looking for glowworms or hunting moths david is quite tired of waiting i'm afraid we have dawdled observed elizabeth briskly mr herrick and i were deep in conversation i think we will not come any farther i have done my lady's mile or thereabouts good night mr carlyon i shall be over at the school to-morrow morning but here elizabeth dropped her voice and malcolm heard no more she was rather silent when she joined them and left the conversation to cedric more than once malcolm wondered what made her so thoughtful but when they reached the house she bade him good night in the hall there was no coldness or abstraction in her beaming smile if you sleep as well as you deserve she said but he chose to misunderstand her i shall be hag-ridden and tormented i fear 
oh no you would have rosy visions of celestial bowers returned elizabeth merrily now mike to the little dachshund let us make tracks for the upper regions good night cedric as elizabeth paused at the foot of the staircase malcolm thought what a splendid subject she would make for a picture the soft draperies gave her a queenly aspect and the white scarf that she still wore over her head lent her a mystic look in her hand she carried a curious brass lamp of some antique design and at her bosom were fastened negligently a great spray of crimson roses she looks like a saint elizabeth in this dim lamplight he thought those red roses look like a dark stain on her breast the figure the turn of the head is superb if only goliath could see her ah now she has moved and the illusion has gone faded into thin air and then malcolm smiled at his own conceit and fancy as he took up his chamber candlestick end of chapter ten recording by linda marie nielsen vancouver b c